again, and welcome back to another episode of the Lion's Edge podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Chase Kitty. It is my favorite week of the year. It's NCAA tournament week. Uh, Today might be my favorite day of the year just because everything's still in front of us. There's no results yet. It's it's all anticipation at this point. No disappointment. Uh, More on West Virginia's path in a minute. Uh, Look, I'm going to have a lot of content for you guys this week. It, It is a waterfall of stuff I'm putting together on the podcast, on the blog, which is linked in the show notes. Of course, you can come visit the BetMGM blog and check out all the cool stuff we're doing, including my content, but not just me. Uh, we've got uh, brackets for you to print out. You know, We're not running some racket like half these sites these days where you got to pay 99 cents for an easy PDF. Just come here, print out a good bracket, get going. Uh, we've got the $10 million bracket challenge, which is cool. Uh, more details on that on the site as well. Uh, and then, of course, just loads of odds and handicapping and stuff from me and from the rest of the team. Lots of stuff available, uh, and multiple podcasts on this feed will come out before Thursday. Uh, but what I wanted to do today, it is Monday. Uh, I was kind of hoping to get something out on Sunday night, but quickly I got into the bracket. I'm like 45 minutes into the work, and it's like, yeah, I don't think I'm getting anything out tonight. I don't think I'm ready to do a podcast. Uh, Monday early afternoon, I am ready to do a podcast. I've got six pages of notes. I've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, some of that is already live on the blog. I've got an article out called uh, Eight Undervalued Teams to Consider Betting uh, in this NCAA Tournament that kind of walks through specific trends. I will talk about some of that in this episode. Uh, a lot of the rest of it will just live on the blog. Really what I wanted to do today is no formal picks, no formal list of here's where I am, here are my positions. More just a, this is my reaction to the bracket. And not just reaction, but here's how I'm seeing things. I want to try to have notes for the betters in the group, which obviously for this podcast is a majority of people. Uh, I want to have some, maybe some sports context, some bracket leans. Like there, there are certain positions, I talk about this every year, where in your bracket, you might want to do one thing, but in Betlandia, you might want to do another thing. I'll talk about Memphis, Florida, Atlantic here in a minute. That's a great example of kind of what I'm talking about, where the rules of the bracket and how to win a bracket pool don't always align with the rules of how to win at sports betting. And so being able to hold two conflicting ideas in your head at the same time Uh, I will talk about some numbers. I will talk about some bets that I've already placed. This will not be an exhaustive list of the bets I've already placed. I did put out a couple of tweets Sunday night from uh, Lions Edge podcast Twitter account at the Lions Edge, kind of live tweeting the bets I had made in real time. It's a lot of dogs. There are some short favorites in there as well. Pretty much every favorite I bet uh, is, I feel to me, both a short number, like three or under, and also unva- undervalued for one reason or other. I'm going to talk about all that. I'm going to I'm going to try to hit all these notes that I have, just going straight down the bracket. This is mostly first round stuff, but occasionally I'm also going to look at some futures odds, Final Four odds, Sweet Sixteen odds, pathways for a couple of Cinderellas. So I'm hoping this is a good download of initial information that you can use to start putting together your brackets and start placing a few early bets. Uh, Obviously, if you are waiting until Monday or Tuesday to hit some of these numbers, uh, you are not getting the best of the number. A lot of these numbers have already moved. I'll talk about that as well. And at the very end, I've got bets for all four of the first four games in Dayton, Tuesday and Wednesday evening, so stick around for that. But for now, just going to go down the bracket, give you the notes that I have, give you the trends that I see, Starting in the top left-hand corner of your bracket, this is the South region. So this is the region where Alabama is the number one seed. Uh, The first thing I see here, obviously I don't have a ton of notes for Alabama versus a play-in game. Like, you know, this probably no explanation needed there. Uh, West Virginia versus Maryland is the 8-9 in this this particular region. Obviously West Virginia, uh, they are the homeboys. For yours truly, I am a West Virginia fan. I grew up outside of Morgantown, a little suburb called Cheat Lake. So for those that are kind of newer to the podcast or maybe checking it out for the first time this week, I am a West Virginia fan. I do think I do a pretty good job at being unbiased about it. I think 
you have to like the fact that West Virginia is a short favorite here as the nine seed over Maryland. Maryland does have a pretty obvious path to win this game, which is historically West Virginia has not handled pressure super well, which is a little ironic because during the Javon Carter years, they were the number one pressure team in college basketball. Uh, there, there are statistical arguments to make that they are one of they were one of the greatest pressure, you know, teams those couple of years in the history of college basketball. Just the the level to which they were committed to total chaos and disruption and full court pressure, um, they have backed off of that in the last few years because they no longer had the personnel to really run that. Huggins just kind of installed it on the fly because he looked around and said, I've got Javon Carter, I've got Daxter Miles, I've got all these long, lengthy athletic guys. Let's try to play this way to make up for some of the offensive deficits that West Virginia has historically had under Huggins' offense. They're great at offensive rebounding. They're not very good at shooting the ball. Imagine a slightly less athletic North Carolina team with three-star recruits instead of five-star recruits, and that's pretty much what Huggins' West Virginia teams are. Uh, So I I like West Virginia in this game. I have West Virginia as a bet. I got them at one and a half. The game is now up to two and a half. Uh, So I I I like West Virginia as the side as a bet in your brackets, all of the above. Uh, But certainly Maryland has a path to win this game because of what they do and how they're going to challenge West Virginia. The interesting thing here, I'm not going to go full-blown crazy on you. I have Alabama advancing past West Virginia in my bracket. But I will point out, Alabama, as great as they have been this year, the way that you beat them is by mucking the game up, out-toughing them, out-physicaling them. If it turns into a shooting contest or a contest of offense, Alabama is going to blow the doors off West Virginia. If this turns into a street fight, that's big-time advantage West Virginia. That's how Alabama ends up losing to Oklahoma by, like, 30 points, the 10th-place team in the 10-team Big 12. So I do think West Virginia's path is there. I think when you look at the Sweet 16 odds, West Virginia is noticeably shorter than a lot of other teams in the 8-9 line to advance to the Sweet 16 because there is a realistic chance that they can beat Alabama. I'm not telling you it's going to happen. I'm not telling you you should take Alabama to lose in your bracket in the round of 32, but I do think the odds are representative of the fact that West Virginia could be a threat if they get past Maryland. That's an if that you should not overlook. Uh, We'll talk a little bit more about that in the next region, but that's enough about the Mountaineers. Uh, Next little pod we have here, Uh, Charleston, San Diego State is the next game. I'm going to skip over that for just one second and go down to UVA Furman. Uh, My initial inclination on this game was to bet Furman plus the six, which is where it opened, which is what I did. That number went down to Furman plus four and a half, uh, then kind of bounced a bit back up to five and a half, which is where it's settled. I think that's probably where it's going to stay for the next 24 to 48 hours. Five and a half being kind of a key number in college basketball. Uh, I, my initial inkling here was, man, UVA has really struggled against some of these, you know, mid-major teams that come from really good, really underrated conferences like the SoCon that can shoot the ball. Uh, I don't know. This could be another tough draw for UVA, kind of like that Ohio game from a couple of years ago. I'm not really so sure. I watched some Furman tape this morning. It's not a thing you're going to hear me say very often is I, I grinded some tape because I'm not one of those guys. But I did actually go back and watch some Furman games uh, this morning just to get a better sense of locking on to this matchup. And I've kind of backed off of that idea. I'm I'm not going to hedge out of my bet. I like the fact that I got Furman plus six. I like the bet. I have closing line value. So I'm not complaining about that. But in terms of bracketology, I actually think UVA has some borderline value here as a contrarian favorite. Uh, UVA plays a pack line defense. I'm here in Virginia, as a lot of you know, so I watch a lot of UVA games. Uh, my uh, The guy who will be my father-in-law a month from now is a UVA graduate. Uh, my sister is a UVA graduate. I have a lot of UVA people in my life, so I watch a lot of UVA games. Their defense, I think, is going to hold up well against what Furman does, which is 
not as much sharpshooting as you would maybe expect from a SoCon team. It's more about the back cuts. It's more about the movement. Uh, and I think UVA can can hold up to scrutiny there. So I like UVA to advance here. Uh, maybe a tight game. Maybe Furman covers a good number in a low-scoring game. But I think UVA does advance. Where UVA could have problems is with the College of Charleston, which is a run-and-gun, shoot threes in your face, shoot over the top of the zone, uh, very accurate mid-major team coming out of the CAA. The CAA just hasn't had a great tournament showing the last 10 years or so, really since since the VCU run and then those teams left the CAA, and it's never really been the same. There's been a lot of upsets in that conference tournament, and so oftentimes the CAA is putting in their three or their four seed, I would say more often than maybe some of the other mid-majors that historically have had the success uh, that teams like VCU and George Mason once had when the CAA was really rolling. We're actually getting a good CAA team this year. Um, and and you know, a, a few Northeastern teams, I think, could have been a challenge that, that always got upset. You know, A couple of Hofstra teams that should have made it in but didn't. College of Charleston can really shoot the ball. And if they get past San Diego State, uh, which is not a guarantee, we'll talk about the Mountain West in a second, but if they get past San Diego State, and I think they will, they are going to be a real challenge for UVA. They're the team that can shoot over the top of UVA's pack line. They're the team that UVA needs to worry about. Uh, so I like here, if you want to start looking at futures for the Final Four market and for the Sweet 16 market, here's a number to circle down. College of Charleston plus 650 at BetMGM to make the Sweet 16. I really like that. I would give it a shot. Uh, Baylor, UC Santa Barbara is down the line here. Baylor does, I mean, look, Scott Drew won a national championship, so we look at Baylor differently now. But if you want to widen the lens here on what Baylor has been in the NCAA tournament, they have their share of disappointments. And Baylor lost as a number three seed, exactly what they are this year in 2015. They lost as a number five seed, I believe, in the first round in uh, to a 12 seed in 2016. I'm not a believer in UC Santa Barbara. I'm not telling you to bet against Baylor in the first round uh, in your bracket. Maybe you want to take the points. I'm going to lay out completely. I'm not telling you to take Santa Barbara in your bracket, but there are worse upsets you could pick than this because it's, it's a little bit of game theory. Baylor's defensive marks are not very good. I was at a party a couple weeks ago. A podcast listener came up to me and said, hey, man, I'm a Baylor fan. I want to give you this nugget and hold on to it for later when we get to March Madness. Do not take Baylor to go very far this year. Their defense just is not what traditionally is successful in this tournament, and I don't feel good about our squad this year. So I did file that away. I did look at Baylor's defensive numbers. They're bad and getting worse. I don't think they finished the season all that well. Uh, A couple of losses to Iowa State late. To me, this is a team where you can bet against them early with an upset like a 14 over a 3, And if you're wrong, it might not cause you that much damage because Baylor isn't long for this tournament anyway, if you buy into the fact that their defensive marks are historically problematic. Uh, So I'm taking Baylor to advance past Santa Barbara. I will probably take them to advance past Creighton, but I don't know if I'm taking them any farther than that. And I do think Creighton could give them some problems in the second round. So... uh, some things to consider uh, when looking at the Baylor game. Uh, we move on to the 7-10 in this region. That's Missouri, Utah State. Uh, let's do the Mountain West stuff now. I am I am as confused as I have ever been about the Mountain West teams in this tournament. Not because they don't belong or anything, but how they are handicapped and what the betting appetite is to bet them. Uh, if you are a longtime subscriber to this podcast, you know that last year... I did not have a good outing, uh, a rare bad March Madness for me, uh, and I'm super confident that I'm going to bounce back this year. I love a lot of the bets I've already placed and the numbers that I've gotten, but I think one of the things that I bit down a little too hard on was reading into the numbers on the first round Mountain West games, and I, I put a little too much stock into the Mountain West and reading their specific numbers. 
The Mountain West is 0-8 straight up in their last eight NCAA tournament games. This is dating back to 2019. So a pretty decent sample size here. They have not won an NCAA tournament game in the last four years. Ofer, nothing. I believe Nevada was the last one to win a game in 2018. So when you look at the three Mountain West teams that are in the round of 64 already, let's throw Nevada out there in the first four. Let's look at the other three. We've got San Diego State as the five seed in this region. We've got Utah State as the 10 seed in this game I'm talking about right now. And then later on, we've got Boise State, also a 10 seed, playing Northwestern in the West. All three of those teams are favored. Now, San Diego State, you would expect to be favored because they're a 5 playing a 12. But Boise State's favorite is a 10. And here in this game, Utah State's favorite is a 10 over Missouri. Utah State has been beloved by a lot of metrics all year, so I do get that part of it. But it is kind of mind-blowing to me, given the results we have seen over the last four years with the Mountain West, that all three of these teams are favored. I... I can't figure it out. I don't. I have no idea what to do. I feel totally turned around. I'm not going to bet on either of these 7-10 games involving Mountain West teams. I'm not going to bet for it. I'm not going to bet against it. I'm not involved at all. Sorry, I can't help you more. I got nothing. I am so confused on the lines. I want nothing to do with it. Missouri advances in my bracket. That's all I got. Uh, let's go to the Eastern round. This is where number uh, Purdue is the number one seed. Looking at the 8-9 matchup here, it's probably the first round game I am most excited about outside of the West Virginia-Maryland game. This is Memphis-Florida Atlantic. I think there's a little bit of anticipatory bias here uh, is, is what I'm calling this. And you, we see a couple of these every year. You know, Memphis just won the, the American title over Houston. Houston was miss a player. We'll, uh, missing a player. We'll get to that in a second. But Memphis now is kind of this hot commodity, uh, and they are being projected to win this game. They're a slight betting favorite. The market prefers them over FAU, uh, two to one in ticket advantage. Last time I looked at BetMGM, uh, it's already kind of being forecasted that hey. If Memphis advances out of the first round, they'll play Purdue in the second round. Their athleticism could be a real problem for Purdue. Uh, Purdue, you know, is a historic underachiever in the NCAA tournament. They've got loads of upsets. They've made the tournament almost every year since uh, Matt Painter's been at Purdue since like 2006. Uh, and yet, they're, Matt Painter, I think, is 17 and 14 in the NCAA tournament which is a pretty bad record when you considered what Purdue's seed is pretty much every year he's been there. A lot of early exits for Purdue. It's a lot of, you know, they win the round of 64, they lose the round of 32. They get to the Sweet 16 as a one seed, and then they lose to somebody else. There's not a lot of deep runs there. And so when you combine that with the fact that Memphis is playing well and they're super athletic, lots of people think Memphis can upset Purdue and get to the Sweet 16 and knock out a one seed in the round of 32. I think that's decent analysis. I'm not here to tell you not to do that. In fact, my first bracket that I filled out, I have Memphis winning both of their first two games and going to the Sweet 16. However, here's the thing. You can't just advance Memphis past Florida Atlantic simply because they have a good matchup in a second round game. They have to win the first game first. And Florida Atlantic is really good. I did a segment on them about a month and a half ago about how it's it's profitable in the macro to fade top 25 teams. And this was right as FAU was entering the top 25. And I said, you know, I'm telling you, this happens every week in college basketball. A new team enters the top 25 and all of a sudden they're handicapped differently. They got to lay way more points. Probably profitable to bet against Florida Atlantic going forward. I might have been right in theory on that. I was dead wrong on the specifics of Florida Atlantic. They've just been so good, so consistent all year, playing in a conference USA that has two other good teams at the top. UAB is good. North Texas is good. And FAU just big-brothered them all season long and was in total control of that conference. So I think there is a 
very healthy appetite right now to bet Memphis to beat Florida Atlantic simply because of the Purdue matchup. And that's not necessarily a wise idea. So looking at this from a game theory perspective, trying to win your bracket pool, sure, go grab Memphis to go to the Sweet 16. That's a real plausible upset that's worth forecasting. And if you're right, you're going to score big points over your opponents. And if you're wrong, Purdue's probably going to exit early anyway. And you're probably okay. You're not going to lose out on that much. The risk-reward there for the rules of a bracket pool are pretty good. But if you're talking about betting the first-round game, if you're looking at the betting market, I actually think Florida Atlantic plus the three or whatever that uh, they're at currently... All these odds change all the time. I don't have all these numbers pull up in front of me, but I would really think about taking Florida Atlantic plus the points here in this matchup, uh, even though it kind of goes against my philosophy on how to play this pool, uh, how to play this region in your bracket. So a little bit of uh, complicated handicapping there, but I do think it, it works out when you consider the advantages and disadvantages of the two different ideas here, bracket versus betting. Let's go to Duke Oral Roberts. Uh, Oral Roberts, 18-0 in league play. They coast to their conference tournament championship. They are into the bracket as a 12 seed. Oral Roberts is really good. I told you two years ago I liked Oral Roberts plus the points against Ohio State in a 215 matchup. Oral Roberts won outright as a 15 seed. So I like Oral Roberts. I have nothing negative to say about this program, this team. The thing is, it's a lot harder to sneak up on Duke in a matchup like this because of what you did in league plague this year, because of the the gaudy record that they have, and because of what happened in in the tournament two years ago. Um, I think this is going to be a popular matchup to bet on, a popular upset to forecast or Roberts over Duke. I think people love to bet against Duke. Uh, And Duke certainly under Coach K over the last 10 or 15 years of his tenure there in Durham. He had his share of embarrassing first-round upsets and exits. Norfolk State comes to mind. However, I think Duke's playing really well right now. And I think they see Oral Roberts coming. Uh, So I I think Duke has some value here. Uh, Not not a full-blown contrarian thing, but I do think Duke advancing is pretty wise. And I would... uh, I would not be surprised if they have a few wins in them in this particular tournament. I think they're playing really well right now. Uh, Louisiana, Tennessee. This is one of the upsets that I'm forecasting. Tennessee has some health concerns. They haven't ended the season very well. Louisiana won a Sun Belt that I think is more competitive than a lot of casual fans realize. And maybe most importantly, Rick Barnes does not have the best track record of success Uh, not only with Tennessee, but just over his coaching career in the NCAA tournament. Uh, Let's go in the way back machine here. They were a three seed in last year's tournament. They lost in the second round. They were a five seed in 2021. They got beat by a 12 in the first round. They were a two seed in 2019. They lost to Purdue in the Sweet 16 uh, in a matchup of two disappointing March teams. Somebody had to win. That time it was Purdue. I believe that's the only Elite Eight Matt Painter has ever been to. They were three seed in 2018. They lost in the second round. Uh, You are seeing a pretty clear track record of Tennessee not really being able to capitalize and get to the second week of the tournament, despite the fact that they almost always have a high seed. Let's go back to Texas when Rick Barnes was in Austin. They were a four seed in 2011. They lost in the second round. They were a four seed in 2007. They lost in the second round. A few first-round losses that Texas took under Rick Barnes as an eight seed. I'm not going to hold that against them because they were an eight seed, but you get the picture. Rick Barnes is not a great NCAA tournament coach. Tennessee underperforms almost every year. Now they have you know some some player availability concerns. Uh, I think Louisiana here is. I can't believe they were plus ten and a half when I opened the book up yesterday. That was the easiest bet I took. It's probably the number one bet I feel most secure about going into the Thursday-Friday games is Louisiana plus 10.5 in this spot. So I love that one. I love the outright. Uh, I am advancing Louisiana in my bracket. And again, there's game theory to consider here. You stand to gain a nice upset by predicting Louisiana over Tennessee. But if even if you're wrong, 
and Tennessee wins, we still kind of think they're going to lose early. So you're probably not missing out on that many points if you call for the upset and you're wrong. There's a big difference in doing something like this versus, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna I'm really secure in UCLA. I'm gonna talk about UCLA at the end of this thing. Uh, if you predict UCLA to lose via upset early, that could really come back to bite you. So it's worth thinking about. What's the most likely trajectory for this team before you predict an upset in your bracket? Let's move on to, what's the next game I've got here? Kentucky versus Providence. This is a 6-11 game in the East. Since 2005, 11 seeds have the best ATS record of any seed in the NCAA tournament. And I just read a piece about how predictable Kentucky's offense has gotten under Calipari. Uh, to me, you put those two things together. This is a pretty clear lean on Providence plus four and a half. Haven't pulled the trigger yet, but definitely thinking about it. It is on my list of remaining potential bets to make. Kansas State versus Montana State. Last year, the Bobcats were a really big, popular dog pick. Uh, a lot of people were flirting with the idea or actually did advance Montana State as a 14 past number three Texas Tech. Montana State got obliterated. Uh, and, and they're good. Like they, they want to, you know, the big sky's a little bit like the Northwestern SoCon. Like the, the top couple teams at the top of that league are pretty good. And if you win that regular season, you win that conference tournament, you're probably a solid Cinderella prospect. I just think the matchups Montana State has gotten these last couple of years, I think they're really hard upsets to pull. And I feel that way about Kansas State as well. I think Kansas State is going to handle business here in this Montana State matchup. Don't fall victim to the Montana State love. Uh, I am advancing Kansas State, who, by the way, one of the best ATS teams of college basketball this year, 21-11 and against the number. Marquette, I don't have a lot to say about Marquette playing against UVM. Uh, Obviously, I am advancing Marquette in my bracket. I don't think UVM is going to pull any kind of St. Peter's uh, run uh, as a number 15 seed out of their ass. I am looking at Marquette as a real dog to win this region and advance to the Final Four. Uh, plus 450 is a nice, juicy number that I like, and that is a bet I have placed Marquette to advance to the Final Four and win this region. Number at BetMGM is plus 450. To the Midwest, where Houston is the number one seed. Uh, almost all year, Houston is number one in the AP poll. Uh, they are the number, t- the second number one seed in this bracket, which is kind of interesting. They are also... Uh, overwhelming is a strong word, but they're the clear favorite in the national championship market at BetMGM. Plus 550 for the Cougs, uh, 8-1 to one for Alabama and Kansas. Uh, so just kind of an interesting discrepancy there. A uh, little bit maybe reminiscent of Baylor versus Gonzaga in 2021. Uh, in that case, they were expected, those two teams, to play kind of early in the season in the non-conference section. I believe that game got canceled because of COVID in a locker room. We were still kind of in that weird one-year-later phase where we were still you know, canceling games from time to time because of positive tests. Uh, I don't think we had a vaccine yet even, or, or we did, but it wasn't widely available. So uh, maybe Rimen, that early national championship preview that didn't happen is a little bit reminiscent of the fact that Alabama and Houston played early in this year's non-conference schedule. Uh, Maybe that was a national championship preview. Uh, I do think if you put aside personnel concerns that both teams have, uh, there is a pretty good case that they're the two best teams and that the national championship is going to come down to Houston versus Alabama, just like it came down to Gonzaga versus Baylor, the clear two best teams a couple of years ago. Uh, So if you want to roll with that as your bracket, as your national championship matchup, It might seem a little obvious. I think this is a year to do something maybe a little obvious like that uh, because I do think a couple of these teams at the top are clearly better than everybody else. So that's my my little nugget on Houston. Auburn will play with a home crowd in Birmingham versus Iowa in the 8-9 matchup in this region. Uh, They will also, if they advance past Iowa, they will play Houston with a home crowd, which is kind of an interesting 
disadvantage for a one seed to play with in the round of 32. Uh, what happens uh, if we get to, you know, five days from now and Marcus Sasser isn't healthy for Houston? I think that's a fair question. Uh, and Auburn could be a, a really interesting challenge uh, as a nine seed and, and sort of uh, a historically interesting one, uh, given the typical matchup that you see there uh, between the one and the winner of the eight nine. I like Auburn at the short number there in the first round simply because they basically get to play at home. And then uh, we will see how it goes, uh, what kind of number they might get in a round of 32 matchup against Houston. All right, this next pod is Miami against Drake and then Indiana against Kent State. Really interesting pod of matchups here. Um, I I think this, you know, it seems like every year, maybe every other year, two out of three years, we often see a 12 play a 13. In the, in the round of 32. And I think if it's going to happen this year, this is the pod where we could see it. I think Miami is a little vulnerable here as the regular season winner of a pretty mediocre ACC. I think Indiana, I think a lot of people like to talk about Trace Jackson Davis. He is awesome. But Indiana has not looked all that great over the last month and change of the season. Their ATS records are pretty bad. Uh, so... I think there's an opening here for Drake to beat Miami, uh, certainly to cover. I think there's an opening for Kent State to beat Indiana and certainly to cover. Uh, I wrote uh, a little bit today in that uh, undervalued teams to pay attention to about Kent State, about how the MAC. I, I have kind of a theory on why the MAC is undervalued and has been undervalued in the NCAA tournament these last few years. The MAC is like a borderline punchline in college football, like that's the whole idea behind Maction is like, hey, these teams generally suck. They're all six and six and seven and five, but some college football on a Tuesday is better than no college football on Tuesday. So let's watch these crappy teams. Uh, the Mac's been really good in college basketball the last few years. Uh, Ohio wins over over UVA into the uh, in 2021. I already mentioned that uh, last year. We had Akron come very, very close to upsetting a UCLA team in the first round that was coming off of a Final Four appearance. Buffalo uh, wins in back-to-back tournaments in 2018-2019. So the the MAC is really good here, and they're on a really nice run of tournament results. Kent State is good. They played Gonzaga this year. They they played uh, Houston this year. Uh, They played somebody, I want to say maybe Alabama or somebody else. They're like... They played awesome teams to a draw in the regular season, and now they're going against an Indiana team that I think is vulnerable. I think Kent State plus the points is live. I think Kent State on the money line in the first round is live, and I would be looking at Kent State Sweet 16 odds. I believe they are plus 750 to get to the second week of the tournament. Here, let's let's look this up real, real quick. Let's just pull up BetMGM's odds. For teams to make the Sweet 16, da, 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 da. this is great podcasting, plus 700, 7 to 1 for Kent State to make the Sweet 16. I would think about it. I really would uh, because I think the matchups here, uh, I think they can beat Indiana and then regardless of who they play in the second round, uh, Miami or Drake, I think they can beat both of those teams. I think they might just straight up be better than both of those teams. So Kent State at 7 to 1 to be in the Sweet 16, definitely a bet I would be thinking about. Iowa State versus the winner of Mississippi State versus Pitt. Uh, this is a 6-11 matchup. Iowa State finished the season strong. Was that because Iowa State's playing well right now, or was it because two of the wins were against Baylor, and we've already talked about Baylor's defense? I don't necessarily have the answer for you. I can tell you that 11 seeds have gone from the first four to the round of 32 at least once, in 10 of 11 NCAA tournaments since the first four concept was invented back in 2011. And oftentimes it's not just one team, it's more than one team. And oftentimes it's not just they win in the round of 64, they go on a run. They make the Sweet 16, they make the Elite Eight, they make the Final Four in the case of VCU in 2011, and then UCLA in 2021. First four to Final Four for both of those teams. So I would not just write off these 11 seed winners that are going to play Tuesday and Wednesday. Pitt 
In the case of Pitt, you know, I don't like to say nice things about Pitt as a West Virginia fan, but they have been really good against the spread this year. Uh, I think they played pretty well down the stretch. I do think they're going to beat Mississippi State, uh, and, and I would consider taking the points with Pitt in a matchup against Iowa State like this. Uh, just something to keep an eye on. Obviously, it's going to depend on the number. Texas A&M I could do 10 minutes on. I think I have done 10 minutes on, uh, including in last week's podcast about teams to watch during conference tournament betting season. Uh, right away, we got the bracket and people were saying, oh, watch out for Penn State. Penn State's good. Texas A&M on upset alert. How much of that is real? How much of it is good analysis? And how much of it is just nobody wants to believe in Texas A&M this year for whatever reason? Uh, they are one of the best ATS teams of anyone in college basketball, 23-11 and 11 against the spread. It is incomprehensible to me how at this point in the season, no one takes Texas A&M seriously. The SEC was pretty good this year. They weren't great. But it was a pretty good conference. Texas A&M finished second. They ended the regular season with an outright win over Alabama. No cover. Outright win. They go to the SEC uh, title game. They are a seven seed. I think they're underseeded. I think they are definitely the side to have in this Penn State game at minus three and a half, minus 165 money line. I would consider either of those. But I, I picked up on an interesting discrepancy uh, in the Texas A&M betting market to widen the lens here just a little bit. So Texas A&M is only minus 165, right? They're only minus 165 to beat Penn State. And we know there's an appetite, both by just regular people out there and by analysts and experts, to bet Penn State against Texas A&M. So it's a pretty short number, understandably so, given the appetite to bet on Penn State. And yet, Texas A&M is only plus 225, to go to the Sweet 16, which would be beating Penn State, and then you would assume a second-round matchup against number two seed Texas, and they would have to beat them too. So they're barely supposed to beat Penn State, but they're also only plus 225 to get to the Sweet 16 and ultimately beat Texas. That is an interesting dynamic between those two numbers because if they were really vulnerable against Penn State, you would expect their Sweet 16 odds to be a little bit longer. And if they were really live to beat Texas and go to the Sweet 16, you would expect them maybe to be a slightly bigger favorite against Penn State. So just an interesting dynamic there. I am taking them seriously against Texas. I do think, not necessarily from a betting perspective because the number's all that great, but from a game theory bracket standpoint, Taking Texas A&M to unseat Texas early on is a real thing that could happen that it feels like very few people are talking about right now. Oftentimes, you can swing your bracket on one or two key upsets that no one really sees coming. I would think about that one because you might not get it right, but I think the the risk-reward factor there is pretty nice. And uh, I, I don't think I mentioned this. I looked at all of the Sweet 16 odds for all of the number seven seeds. Texas A&M's the shortest. Of all the seven seeds to make the Sweet 16, Texas has the shortest odds, despite the fact that they're on upset against Penn State and despite the fact that they have a matchup against Big 12 Conference Tournament champion Texas in round two. Still the shortest odds. I just think that's interesting because that market takes Texas A&M very, very seriously. Let's go on to the West, last region, where Kansas is the number one seed. The betting market sees Kansas, not Purdue, but Kansas as the most vulnerable number one seed. Now, this could be recency bias because we just saw Kansas got blown the hell out by Texas a couple of days ago. Uh, This could be related to the Kevin McCuller injury reaction or maybe Bill Self hospital anxiety or maybe it's about... Uh, Kansas's chances in a region that a lot of people now seem to agree is pretty tough. Uh, maybe it is an honest representation of the fact that Kansas's guards are kind of mediocre, and I like other teams in this region better than Kansas. Uh, it could be any of those things. It could com- be some combination of all of these things. But I-, I think it's worth you know being a little skeptical of what Kansas can do here in this tournament. 
I think they can advance to the Sweet 16. I don't see them getting a lot farther than that. So Kansas is not necessarily a team I want to take on a deep run, uh, despite their seeding and despite their uh, reigning national champion status. Uh, That's just how I see it. Uh, Arkansas, Illinois, uh, total opposite tournament resumes here. Arkansas has been to the Elite Eight in back-to-back years. That's six wins in the last two NCAA tournaments. That's pretty good. Illinois hasn't made the second weekend with Brad Underwood, despite having a number one seed in 2021 and a number four seed in 2022. Uh, So kind of uh, uninspiring results from Illinois. I would say, you know, fairly inspiring, overachieving from uh, Arkansas. Put those two things together, and and I feel pretty good about Arkansas at a short number here. Just feels like they play a more tournament-friendly style of basketball, and the results bear that out. Des Moines, which is where this game is going to be played, maybe a more friendly crowd for Illinois, but that's not enough for me to pick them. Uh, I think they are one and done here. VCU St. Mary's is the 5-12 in this region. I, like many people, am very annoyed that the tournament in recent years, uh, the selection committee, uh, has continued to pair mid-majors against each other in these classic sort of 5-12 matchups where we are looking to see uh, more of an underdog versus David uh, David versus Goliath kind of matchup. It is kind of annoying to watch St. Mary's play VCU. You want to see VCU, you know, take out some Power 5 team, or at least that's what I want to see. Uh, nonetheless, that's the game we get. I I like VCU in this game straight up. I'm taking the points. I'm taking VCU to win outright. I live in Richmond. I watch a lot of VCU basketball. I know some athletic staffers there. Uh, I think VCU is going to win this game. So uh, I I think they have the right matchup to do it. I think they can disrupt what St. Mary's wants to do on offense with, uh, the, the defensive pressure schemes that they're going to play into the game. Uh, I like VCU here and, Divorce yourself a little bit from the VCU March brand because VCU has not won an NCAA tournament game in like 10 years. So they are not some magical, mystical power this month. Like, I think they're going to win, but it's not because they're VCU. You know, it's it's not because they have something figured out in March. That, that is one of the most overbranded, overhyped schools that we have right now uh, is that people forget that that VCU run was like a decade ago. It was more than a decade. I was in college. I'm now 32. Uh, So it's not that kind of VCU team anymore. There are several coaches past that, but I do think they're going to beat St. Mary's. Not sure how much farther the run goes after that. I would not be worried about Iona over UConn. Uh, I think that is a narrative. I think that is anticipating a possible coaching move, though I am not nearly as confident that Rick Pitino is going to go to the Big East as everybody else seems to be. I don't think Iona has the horses to beat UConn. I think UConn's really good. I am comfortably taking UConn in my bracket there, and I might lay the points with him as well. Gonzaga in the 314 matchup. Uh, I am, I, I like some others are, I'm not very high on Gonzaga. Uh, I don't think they're going to lose to Grand Canyon. I do think Grand Canyon is getting a truckload of points in this game and I am on Grand Canyon plus the big number. I think Gonzaga is probably out in the second round. I think TCU is going to clip them. Uh, I think this is the worst Gonzaga team we've seen in a few years. That's not a knock against this team. It's more of a compliment to the teams we've seen the last couple of years, which have had NBA lottery picks and played for national championships and gone in deep runs in the tournament. I do not think this Gonzaga team has a deep run in them. I think they're going to win one game. They're going to beat a 14 seed that doesn't have the talent to play them. And I think they're going to go up against TCU and I think they're going to lose. Gonzaga out to number six TCU in the round of 32. Finally, UCLA at the bottom of this bracket. There has been a lot made about how tough this West region is. Fine, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that. But if you look at the run UCLA has off the edge of this bracket, it has one of the most manageable paths to the Final Four this year of anybody. I mean, how would you like to be UCLA, have a good coach, have a good roster, like AAA all the way down the board, and play UNC Asheville uh, as a 15 seed, which is a good 15 seed. I, I might even bet UNC Asheville plus all the points. Like, they're a good team, but UCLA is going to beat them. Uh, and then play the winner of Northwestern Boise State. That team's not equipped. Whoever wins that game, not equipped to beat UCLA. Uh, then they're probably going to play TCU or maybe Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. I don't think either of those teams is beating UCLA. 
Then they're going to play, I think, UConn, but maybe Kansas. Um, maybe somebody else that, that's not as good as either of those teams in the Elite Eight. Like I, I think U, UCLA is clearly the best team in this bracket to me. I, and I think the the lineup, the, the pathway, there's so many reasons to take this. Betting market, this is what I'm trying to build toward, the betting market agrees. Uh, if you look at Final Four odds, at the very top of the list, we've got Houston plus 140, Alabama plus 190, Purdue plus 250. Those are three of the four number one seeds. UCLA, 3-1 three to one, plus 300. They have better odds. They have shorter odds to make the Final Four than Kansas, the number one seed in this region. Kansas is plus 350. UCLA is plus 300. That's all you need to know. The odds say UCLA is the right team to take to the Final Four here, despite the fact that they're the two seed, not the one seed. I think it's a great bet. I'm on UCLA in my bracket. I have the UCLA 3-1 to ticket to go to the Final Four. Uh, I really like their path, and then I think they're going to get beat by Houston or whoever comes out of the Midwest. But those are all my notes that I have as of right now for the NCAA tournament. Hopefully I've given you something to think about for some futures bets, some first-round straight bets, and uh, some notes on filling out your bracket. Uh, Use that however you want. Tail it, fade it, whatever you like. Uh, There will be more content later. I will dump Tuesday and Wednesday separate podcasts detailing exactly what bets I have made and why. Uh, So this is just sort of the initial shot across the bow where I'm at as of this moment. Wanted to give you notes as early as possible in the week so that you can figure out what to do with your bracket and have the maximum amount of time. Before we get out of here, I do want to do one thing, which is tell you how to bet all four of the first four games in Dayton, at least how I see it. Uh, I think there is, uh, in terms of like my classic rationale for betting a game, there is one definite bet here and one absolute pass here. The other two, if you're feeling like throwing 5 or $10 on it because it's March Madness and let's let it rip a little bit, Uh, then I've got a side for you, and and I'll talk you through that. The one I'm very confident in is Texas A&M Corpus Christi, which is the first time I'm pretty sure I've ever said those words in that order. Uh, But Texas A&M Corpus Christi is the clear bet of this four. It's a 16 game. They opened at four and a half. They're down to three and a half. They are playing against Southeast Missouri. Corpus Christi is legitimately like a good low major team. I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. They're not awesome. They're not like... Oh man, could they really push Alabama? Uh, Should they actually be an 11 seed? I'm not saying any of that. But for a team that is playing on the 16 line, Corpus Christi's pretty good. And the Southland actually had a couple of teams this year that that were really solid low major teams. And there was a real battle like in this conference at the top. It has some players. Southeastern Missouri is like the fifth place team in the OVC and went on a run in the conference tournament. They are outclassed. They are probably the worst team in the field uh, outside of maybe Texas Southern. But even Texas Southern, as bad as they are, as bad as their record is, like they kind of know how to win tournament games, which is how they go on a run like this in the first place. Uh, They have played in the NCAA tournament a lot, Texas Southern. Southeast Missouri, I think, has hit their cap. So, I feel like people came in and bet this game because it was four and a half points in a game of 16 seeds in a tournament game. And and maybe that you could talk yourself into the idea that, hey, both of these teams are 16 seeds. They're good, but they're not very good, if you know what I mean. So four and a half points could be valuable. I'm not sure I see it that way. I, I think Corpus Christi is clearly the better team, and I'm happy to lay, at this point, three and a half points with them. Uh, so that's the bet I'm definitely making. The one I want nothing to do with is Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson. No way, dude. I no clue how to bet this game. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm giving you four bets for all four games. So if made to bet this game, I would take the under. It opened at 147.5. It's down to 145.5. Uh, early action that pushes a total down two points uh, less than 24 hours after the NCAA tournament bracket is revealed in the first place uh this is clearly sharp money and maybe not even like capital s sharp money but just like advantage money that understands where the weak points traditionally are in a spot like this you go after an under uh in a game like this uh in a game that maybe 
uh, the every possession is is stressed and defensive intensity is cranked up beyond uh, usual and analytics can't necessarily account for that kind of thing. So you just go under. So I'm, I'm tailing the line movement here. That's the gun to my head bet in Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson. I have no idea what to do with that game, but give me the under, I guess. Uh, and then the other two, Pittsburgh versus Mississippi State. I've got a pretty firm lean on Pittsburgh money line, uh, plus 105 at BetMGM right now. I told you I kind of already like Pittsburgh in that matchup, so probably not much of a surprise there. And then Arizona State, Nevada. We've got a fourth Mountain West team. Give me Arizona State minus the two. Uh, Nevada's in one of these weird stretches where by the time they play on Wednesday night, they'll have played like two games in 16 days or something like that. I just don't. I don't like that for teams in this part of the year. And Arizona State, I mean, a f- pretty pretty flawed team, kind of toward the middle of the pack in the Pac-12, probably not even in the tournament if they don't hit a, you know, a, a game-winning shot over Arizona a few weeks ago. Nonetheless, they've played more basketball recently. I think they're more battle-tested. I think they're probably better, so I'll lay two points with them. There you go. Your first four bets, not all created equal, but the ones that I am rolling with, uh, for the first four games, Texas A&M Corpus Christi minus three and a half, Pittsburgh plus 105 money line, Arizona State minus two, and then Texas Southern Fairleigh Dickinson under 145 and a half. There you go. That's everything I got for you. Lots more content, as I said at, at the top of the show, uh, on the BetMGM blog. Lots of stuff there, starting with uh, a, a a good write-up that I posted on the site today. Uh, the, the article is called NCAA Tournament Betting, Eight Undervalued Teams to Consider. I will tweet the link or I'll put it in the show notes or whatever. Uh, it covers some of what I talked about today. It also has uh, goes into more depth with some specific teams you should think about betting. So I would go check that out too, even though it overlaps with some of the stuff you might have heard today uh, on this show. But definitely something to check out along with all the other content that I will be producing uh, over at The Roar and on this podcast feed this week. Uh, And that's all I got. That's all I got for you today. Good luck with your brackets. Good luck with your early bets. Maybe uh, even give those NIT odds a look if you're really jonesing for it. Uh, We'll get into those games uh, Tuesday night as well. Until then, good luck with your bets. Good luck with your brackets. And take it easy.